Hi, I'm James Gardner, host of Your History, Your Story, a podcast for everybody who loves stories about interesting people and events told by those who uncovered them from within their own family trees. This, we hope, will inspire you to discover and celebrate your history and your story. Welcome to today's episode, Freeborn Bill, 91 Years Young. Today, our guest is William Franklin Conlon, who goes by the nickname Freeborn Bill. Freeborn Bill, born in 1929, just prior to the stock market crash, will be sharing his memories, which include the Great Depression, his service in the U.S. Army during what is known as the Tokyo War Crime Military Trial, and his subsequent service in the U.S. Navy. I'd like now to welcome Freeborn to our show. Thank you. So, Freeborn, I'd like to ask you, where were you born and where did you grow up? I was born in Teaneck, New Jersey. I grew up all over the country. Okay. When you were born, it was 1929, the stock market crashed. Over the next 11 years, the country was really in the Great Depression. Do you remember what it was like growing up during that time? Yeah, we moved an awful lot. Had to be on welfare, I'm sure, and didn't get a lot to eat. Bill, I'm sorry to hear that. It must have been very difficult for your family and many others as well at that time. When you were growing up, what was it like as far as your family life? Was there times where you were able to sit around the dinner table and spend time with each other or around the radio or anything like that? The radio and the dinner table. We listened to programs of the Green Lantern. I guess we also listened to Inner Sanctum, and a number of other programs, Lone Ranger and Tonto. And again, we lived in many places. What were those places like? Were they cold water flats, or what were they like? Well, most of them were, uh, when I was young, had gas lights in the living room on the wall and lamps kerosene lamps. The heat was central. It was generally a grate by the front door or by the front steps going upstairs would rise. Otherwise, we had no heat. What did you do for fun? Were there other kids in the buildings that you lived in that you used to play with? Well, there were six of us, three girls and three boys. So we had enough people to play with. I guess so. What kind of games did you play? <laughs> Baseball, football, and uh, just kind of sports. Good. Do you remember as far as the types of meals that your mom would prepare for you during the Depression when you were a young kid? Well, I like spaghetti. I like it the second day around. <laughs> That's the best, right? <laughs> yes. She was a fairly good cook. But we didn't always have a food line. And uh, one time we caught a pheasant and had that. One of the buildings we lived in had tomato juice in the basement. So we had that with a pheasant. Wow, that sounds like it must have been a real treat for you back then. I told you we moved a lot, Mm -hmm. different places. And I guess my mom was once ahead of the bill collectors. At one time, she told me she'd like to live on a high hill 
with rocks all around so that if the bill collectors came up the hills, you could roll them down. On them. <laughs> that was a good solution to it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I remember something about a meal called succotash. Is that something that you ever had? I'm sure we did. Yeah. We had all kinds of things. Something that was cheap and nutritious. Do you remember ever listening to President Roosevelt on the radio? Yes, I do. Were they the fireside chats? Yes, I remember them. And when you went to school, I know you went to probably various schools, but what were they like? We went to Catholic schools, I guess, until they started charging for it, and we didn't have the money. Then we went to uh, public schools, and we were sort of outcasts because we moved from one school to the other, and the kids looked on us as invaders. Because <laughs> you were new all the time. In the yeah. In fact, they actually picked on us because we spoke differently. Now, what would determine whether you moved or not? The bills. We one time had a place in Harrington Park, good-sized home, belonged to the water company. And I guess we had been on welfare, and the welfare people put us there. So uh, that's where we got the uh, pheasant. Harrington Park is a story. I tried to sell magazines, and I went with my uh, younger brother, Craig, and we canvassed the neighborhood, which was a long distance because there were a few houses. We came to the main road and uh, saw a house up a long driveway, Went up there, and there was a guy sitting on a porch. I heard a, another man inside talking, and the guy on the porch, when I asked him if he wanted to buy a magazine, said, do you know what I do to little boys? And he pulled out a knife. Oh, my. <laughs> that uh, changed your strategy a little bit. I said to Craig, run. But he was trapped on the porch. It was a long porch. I'm down the driveway quite a distance, and I didn't hear him. So I turned around. He was back up against the rail, and I said, jump, which he did. I turned around and kept running, and he passed me as though he wasn't even touching the ground. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Wow. Scared him pretty bad. When we got to the main road, I didn't see him, the road we came out of. And when I got home, he was under the bed. Oh, poor kid. What a fright that must have been. Yeah, but nothing happened about it. Oh, gosh. I would imagine there were a lot of other families who were on welfare at that time because of the Depression. Did you ever see anything like soup lines or anything like that when you were a kid? Well, one time we lived with my mother's brother, Jim, and he had four children. His wife was put in a insane asylum, so we had a bunch of kids then, our six and their four, and if anybody picked on any one of us, they got beat up. They had an army against them, right? That's right. You mentioned about sitting down at dinner as a family. Did you ever visit or spend time with extended family, like grandparents or aunts and uncles at all? Well, we were blacklisted from grandparents, and family. So 
we were on the outside. My grandfather, on my mother's side, didn't like the bum that my mother married, who was a drunken, stinking, rotten bum. My first recollection of him was that my mother left. She lived in a second-story apartment that was owned by a retired cop and his wife. And my father came to the door, found out where we were, and broke in. My mother was holding my youngest brother, and he started beating her. So I bit him on the leg, and he kicked me. Oh, Bill, that's terrible. And so I never liked the bum after that. Well, you were defending your mom. That's right. Even at three years old, you were defending her. Now, as a kid, during the Depression, you experienced those things. As time went on and the country started to come out of the Great Depression, we know that World War II began. Do you recall where you were when you heard that Pearl Harbor was attacked? Yes. You would have been about... 12. Did that affect you at all or your family? Did you remember hearing about it and about World War II? It was always on the news, so we knew about it. And I guess I always wanted to uh, go in the service, so I joined. My mother had to sign me in, and she didn't want to do that. But I convinced her that I'd go and sign myself in. (laughs) Now, you would have been at 16 or 17, the war would have just ended. Uh, It would have been right after the end of World War II, but there were lots of things going on over in Japan at that time. The two bombs had been dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and the Allies at that point were in Japan. Can you tell us about your service? I wasn't uh, in Japan when they dropped the bombs, but if they never dropped them, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah, there's different avenues of thought on that as to how many Allied troops and how many Japanese people might have died from an invasion of the island. Well, they were not going to give up. So when you enlisted in the U.S. Army, what was it like? Did you go right to Japan or did you have No, I went to Fort Belvoir, Virginia. That was probably the best shape I was in because we did an awful lot of exercise. And I remember that we had a captain who was a hog for salutes and an incompetent individual. I was called in because I didn't salute him. (laughs) The sergeant said to me, well, you know, he's in a uniform. He's a captain. And I said, everybody knows he's not much of an individual. He looks for salutes from everybody, walks into crowd. So we turn around and go the other way. But I'm stubborn. I walk right past him and don't salute him. So he said, well, look, we went back and forth a little bit. And he said, when the uniform, you're saluting the uniform. When the uniform goes by, you got to salute it. So I said, okay, but if he's in the uniform, I'm not going to salute it. <laughs> you got in trouble so, for that, Bill? Oh, he said, get the hell out of here. (laughs) And then I avoided the uh, captain after that. So after Fort Belvoir, you said, where did you go from there? When I went to uh, Japan, we took a train to California. First time I saw oranges on a tree. That was nice. Then we went on a ship, troop ship, 
to Hawaii. On the way, we hit a storm. The troop ship turned around to take the waves. It was that bad. But we got to Hawaii, and I took a tour. I hadn't been drinking any alcohol in my young life until I got to Japan. When I got to Japan, there was a sergeant there that was called back in from the troops that fought in the war. He took charge of us. At one point, we were on a boat. A stingray came up alongside the boat, and he had a forty-five. so he shot a few holes in it. After that, the same sergeant, we were on a shooting range, and he had two forty-fives, one in each hand, and he was walking up to the range shooting both of them. Was he a little bit under the weather or three sheets to the Yeah, way? he liked to drink beer. So we uh, got in one of the army trucks. He loaded it up with beer. And we're going up uh, Mount Fujiyama through the trees and everything. And he ran out of beer. So we went back down. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we all stood on the road when MacArthur came in to run Japan. Do you want to know something about some of the things I did there? Yeah, I'd like to know a little bit about your role in what was called the Tokyo War Crime Military Tribune, or the War Crimes Trial that took place, which from what I understand was the United States, along with its allies, were trying political and military Japanese individuals for war crimes. And I understand you participated in that. We were uh, military police only for show. We were in the courtroom. We walked the halls. The building was a three-story building. We ate in another building just off from that. The Russians were there and uh, other countries Most of what we did was just stand in the courtroom. And when the officer moved his arms around, we moved our arms along with him, front to back. We also had a stint at Sagamo Prison, where the prisoners, Japanese, always bathed in a good-sized pool together, anywhere from five to ten people. They started making fun of me walking the halls, and you could hear the hammering of the uh, gallows outside. So they were going to be hung. They asked me in as much English as they could, what was that noise? And I told them it was them going to hang. Oh, oh, yeah. Actually, Bill, I've done a little research. And it's my understanding that seven of the 28 political and military leaders of the Empire of Japan who were tried by the Tokyo War Crimes Tribunal were executed for their crimes. Two of the people standing trial died during the proceedings, which lasted from May 1946 until November of 1948. Eighteen were sentenced to prison terms anywhere from seven years to life, and one person was declared unfit to stand trial due to insanity. So, Bill... How long were you actually in Japan? About a year and a half. Were you doing similar functions? We had liberty every once in a while going to Tokyo. We were at Ichingaya Station. That's when I started drinking and getting drunk. One time, a friend of mine and I 
were downtown, we were drunk, and these Australian soldiers were on the other side of the road, six of them, walking as though they were in a parade. My friend started calling them names. So they started across the road, and I said, hold it, hold it. He's my friend, but I'll beat him up. <laughs> so you don't have to. <laughs> and, and I hit him a couple of times. They laughed. That was a smart move. I yeah. Think. <laughs> and another thing that I did, drunk as I was, I went into a uh, police. They had a octagonal shack that they were in, the Japanese police. And they had one gun in there. I don't know how, because I was drunk. But I apparently took the pistol that they had, threw it in the moat, and I, I went home the long driveway, went through the front door, and I heard sirens behind me. And we had a captain who was a real sharp dresser. He was in the orderly room with uh, four or five other people. So the Marines came through the front door and said, we're taking that man. I said, I didn't do anything. And so uh, the captain said to me, what did you do, Conlon? I said, Nothing. I was just out on liberty. The Marines said again, big guys, we're taking that man. So the captain said, go to your room, Conlon. And I said, but I didn't do anything. So he said, just go. They were determined to take me. So the captain said, look, we got 45s. I have one and five people in there. Do you want to go against us? So nothing happened over that situation. Wow, you got out of another got jam, of, didn't you, Bill? And I stole a turkey out of the out of the mess hall too. <laughs> this is full confession. <laughs> 60, 70 years later, seventy-five <laughs> years later, yeah. Well, it was Thanksgiving. We were in another building eating. That's where we ate. And the sergeant, who was the cook, was sitting here welcoming everybody. And he had a nice turkey on the side, all ready cooked. So the guys were talking about, boy, that'd be nice to get that turkey. So they asked me how to do it. I said, all you have to do is get a mattress cover, throw it over the turkey, say hello to the sergeant, and take it away. (laughs) Goaded me into it, which I did. And uh, next day, Colonel Kenworthy called me out in front of the troops and said, Conlon, did you do that? And I said, yes, I did. So he said, well, the troops told me that you shared it with them, so I would have punished you, but I'm going to let you go. <laughs> Lucky think- me. That's why I didn't want my younger brother to go in the service. Tell us now, when you came back from Japan and you left the Army, I understand that you joined the Navy, and that sort of ties into the story about your younger brother. Kenny was going to join the service. And I tried to talk them into going into the reserves first. And uh, they weren't taking anybody. So, uh, and he was going in the Navy. And I volunteered to go with him to see if I could keep him out of trouble. To keep him out of the type of trouble you got into, That's right. right. (laughs) At first, when you get on a ship, and we were on a seaplane tender, the twin-engine... it lands in the water, 
submarine warfare was what they were for. So uh, we had a half a ship. The deck in the back was, and a couple of cranes would pick the planes up, put them on the hangar deck. Everything else was underneath, was open, and they could bring the planes in there to work on them. We went to a number of different places. Went to Guam, Hawaii. We also went to Italy, Mediterranean, and went to Scotland. I was going to ask you, since you went into the Navy to take care of your little brother and keep him out of trouble, were you actually assigned with him to the same duty? Were you able to keep your eye on him? We were on the same ship. Oh, that's good. At yeah. you had that. He went from the deck crew. I sort of liked that job. Had a good mop, light mop the deck. You were swabbing the deck. Yes. So I followed him into the uh, electronics lab. We worked on the transmitters, the receivers. It was kind of a great job to do. And I had the fathometer, and Captain would get outraged when one of the tubes blew. So we had tubes with us and changed it. So you were maintaining this equipment? Yeah. A fathometer, did you call it? Fathometer. Okay. Depth. Well, the depth uh, reader. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And it was needed. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to get in too shallow water. You're in That's trouble, right. right? When you left the Navy, did you leave at the same time your little brother did? Yes. We both joined together and we got out together. I threw my uniform in the trunk of his car. I never saw it again. Never saw it again. Now, were you still in the Navy when the Korean uh, conflict took place? No, I'm not sure about that. You might have been out before that I had a, another brother, Craig, who uh, was in that, and he had some interesting stories. So, Bill, when you got home and you were out of the Navy, now you had been in the Navy for four years? Yes. And you were in the Army for how many years? One and a half, almost yeah, two. Two years. So you spent quite a time in the military. What was it like coming home and not being in the military anymore? What did you do? What was the first thing you did when you got home? Well, I had a few different jobs. I worked for a belt-making pocketbook place. Whenever I asked for a raise, because I was a good worker, they said, oh, I can't afford it. So I said, well, I'll have to get something else. So I gave them a week notice. Because when I went in there, I took four or five jobs that they had other people on and did them well. He said, oh, I'm going to give you the raise. And I said, too late. I already have another job. <laughs> now, you ended up in a long-term job, didn't you? First went to uh, an organization meeting of veterans, and they had a list of jobs for the state. So I wrote to them and told them I was available, the Department of Agriculture. And they uh, put it off for quite a while. And I was going to write back, tell them to take the job and shove it. <laughs> Isn't that the name of a song? <laughs> and uh, then they called me and I went down to Trenton. And they said, we want you to work here and a little bit more north. So they wanted me up in North Jersey. And we did five or six uh, counties, which had a lot of nurseries, garden centers. What were your main responsibilities at that job, Bill? What Inspecting your... oh. for 
insects, diseases, and uh, any other problems. How long were you with the state? I was with the state until I was 83. So you worked until you were 83 years old. Yes. Terrific. Wow, that's stamina. That's endurance. <laughs> now, Bill, you also, you married and had children as well. Yes. How many children did you have? We had we had six, but one died mm. as a baby. That's sad. We had uh, four boys and one girl. And where did you meet your wife? I met her. She was the daughter of a friend of my mother. I courted her for a while. She lived in Tenafly. I lived in uh, Hudson County. We got married and had the children. What about this question? What do you want your legacy to be? That I was a good father, good American, and that I had my God to keep me from uh, going rogue. Well, thank you so much, Bill. This has been a colorful, yeah, colorful is right. interesting, <laughs> and just laughable, a, laughable. But no, more so, it was an honest assessment of experiences in your life, some of the struggles that you had, some of the challenges, and for your children, yeah. grandchildren, and great grandchildren. Right. What advice can you give them about what to do when life gets hard? Well, get with the Lord, but do that. And count on God because he's right beside you. Well, thank you. I Don't think take any crap from anybody. I think that's good advice for your family and for our listeners. So I want to thank you again for your colorful, <laughs> interesting <laughs> honest recap of some of the highlights of your life today. thank you for having me here and feeding me well and delightful ladies and a couple of good guys so for all of our listeners keep discovering and telling stories that inspire you and others have a great day <laughs> thank you for joining us for this episode of your history your story Please subscribe, share, and check out our website at yourhistoryyourstory.com for episode notes and bonus content. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or a story to tell. Be well and God bless.